You're listening to Healing Conversations, a podcast full of healing stories for everyone. Brought to you by One Mission, a childhood cancer charity who does whatever it takes to get kids through cancer treatment. To learn more about me, Ashley Hasiotis, visit theunspokenbook.com. And to learn more about One Mission, visit onemission.org. That's O-N-E-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.org. In season two, you'll hear from so many amazing people on topics that hit home for everyone, from transgender issues, adoption, domestic violence, how men heal, childhood cancer, chronic pain, and so much more. You will be filled with hope for your own healing journey after listening to these stories. Let's dig in. Welcome back to One Mission's Healing Conversations, everybody. I'm Ashley, and I'm so excited to be with my friend Mandy today as she's going to tell us all about her son Mateo's journey with cancer, which was, as we'll find out, a rather long journey. And we're going to talk about how she's turning all of that into a way of helping other people. So hello. So excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah. So we've known each other for so long, like before I think 20 we years, I think. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, at least. And so we were young and single, right? Before we had kids. And then you knew of Nicholas's um, journey with cancer. And then tell us how many years ago now was it where I saw on Facebook that Mateo had cancer and I reached out to you. Tell us, tell us about that journey. Um, it was in 2016. He was diagnosed with acute lymph. Uh, acute lymph. I'm glad that I can't even say it. I think that's probably a good sign that I'm forgetting it. Um, he had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, he was eight years old at the time, and we were living in Brookline, mm-hmm. in third grade. Yeah. So how long ago was that? That was five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. So he did his initial treatment, which was two years long. He actually didn't. He actually, we, you know, we got, we went straight into the emergency room. Like when we first found out, I took him to the emergency room and then we got admitted right away. And he went through his whole first induction period where they like try to get you into remission. And he did not get into remission. He failed remission. So he went right into transplant um, from there. Yeah. So we never, it was still two years, but (laughs) it wasn't the same two years. Yes, I remember that. It was uh, it was a crazy journey for you guys. Um, he had so many amazing moments as a part of his journey. Like I remember going to visit you in the hospital and seeing all these amazing pictures of him meditating. I've had the privilege and honor of doing Reiki with your father and you. So I know that runs deep in your family. But can you tell us a little bit about how meditation and spiritual oneness, you know, was present for you guys? Um, I think it started, I mean, my dad is a Reiki master. So Reiki and energy work was always something that, you know, was, was something normal in my house. So we always used that as a aid in healing, healing all different sorts of things. So I think it started with that. But um, when Mateo was in the hospital, you know, I'm very spiritual anyways, I'm super connected, I'm always listening and praying. And I think through the journey, I had a lot of those moments that really strengthened my spirituality, because 
you know, I could hear the guidance very loud many times. And one of my like most spiritual moments was Mateo right after we took those pictures of him, like as little Buddha, because he's kind of, that's just him anyways. He's very, he, he is Buddha. He always sort of had that energy to him anyways, even before cancer, he just a uh, very grounded and wise and um, happy kid. So right after we took those pictures, we made him like dress up like Buddha and he was like sitting in his little like own position, me and the nurse at the hospital, we had just shaved his head and he was in the shower after and he stuck his head out the shower and said, mommy, I think I was, this was meant to be, I was supposed to inspire other people and find my true self. And like at that moment, I'm like, the kid's eight, you know, like who says that? And I'm like, somebody just whispered that in his ear or like it was a voice from inside him. And like, I think really from that moment on, I sort of was like, we're doing this and like we have guidance and we have people supporting us. So I've sort of felt like that was like the, I knew that we had that spiritual connection so that we could get through it. And then the Reiki, I mean, we were lucky enough to have it at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I would say the first time we, we did do it a lot when he, you know, when we were in the hospital, we had the nurses coming in and giving him Reiki. And I asked every person I knew who did Reiki to do it for him. And I mean, I watched him change and get better and me feel better every time it, he had a Reiki session. So I feel like that was the start of it. Yeah. It sounds amazing. And I, I mean, I have a similar, you know, memory of, you know, I was as we were both younger, right? And in, in spiritual, even in our 20s and into the crystals and all the energy work and all that stuff. And then when Nicholas got diagnosed, I knew he was going to have cancer. Like I just knew it. And I knew that um, he was sick before anybody else knew. And when we were in the hospital, I kept telling Ari, like in the emergency room, like we didn't get the diagnosis yet. I remember telling Ari, like Nicholas is really sick. I think he has cancer. And, but I do know that he's going to be okay and we're going to be okay. And that this whole journey is going to make us stronger as a family and it's going to make us stronger as a couple. And he was looking at me like, what are you talking about? And how do you know this? You know? And so I kind of went into that journey almost like, not comfortable with what was happening, but I felt like it was what was supposed to happen. But for me, I kind of fell off and on that wagon throughout uh, throughout the hospital stay. Like I, I felt like he was going to be okay, but then there were times where he would get really sick and I was really worried. So did you also have that where you were on the beam most of the time, but then kind of fell off every now and then and like lost that whole connectedness? I still do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's funny, like, as you're saying the story about knowing it's like, that's, you've actually never told me that story. But like, that is for, for like, it's pretty much my story, too. I mean, I, I vividly remember, actually, just fair was my voice I heard in my ear, telling me about when her daughter had leukemia and I looked at Nick like the same way. I was like, he has cancer. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know, but I know that he has cancer and like, he's really sick. I like, it's like the same story. And, and it's just amazing. And I I felt the same way. I had the same feeling that I knew he was sick was the same feeling. I knew he was going to be okay. Yes. It was the same feeling. It was the same energy. And I, 
I always had that energy, but I, you know, I definitely lost it at times, but I, I feel like I remember getting it back when I fell off. You know, I, I vividly remember like maybe another message coming that got me back on track to like, we're going to be okay. Yeah. 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 Similar. And so, you know, Nicholas was diagnosed in 2006. So the majority of my, I call it after cancer years, um, they're far, like we've, it's, it's far away for us, from us now. And so, but every now and then something can bring me right back, right? Like right now he's had a cough since before Christmas. We, he probably had COVID, right? We don't know, but like we didn't get tested and whatever. Was, we were all kind of sick over Christmas and, but he still has a cough. And so the other day I was like, take all your clothes off. And he's 16. So he was like, what? I'm like, clothes off. And I'm looking at his chest and I'm looking for rashes and I'm like looking at his finger. Like, is he perfusing? And I'm like, are you tired? How does it feel when you're playing hockey? You know, I'm asking him all these questions and he's like, mom, I'm okay. And I'm like, you are? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. I just have a cough. Sometimes that happens, right? I was like, yeah, sometimes it happens, but I'm just making sure. So, you know, I don't know. I think there's, there's this whole, I don't even know what you call it, but like this perception of healing of any kind, right? Like I am either unwell and sick now, or like I'm in the middle of a crisis now. And then when it's better, I'll feel better. When it's over, I'll feel better. And I think that, you know, I want these conversations, which are truly of hope. And I can't wait to talk about what you're doing in the, in the community. But I just want people to also understand that it's a normal response to feel connected to spirit and to believe in your path and then also fall off of that beam and be like, I don't know what's happening and I'm angry and I don't know why this is happening to my family. And then to come back to the beam and to kind of do this little dance, you know, that it's normal. And so hearing that from me and then hearing it from you, I think is really important for other parents other moms who are like, you know, I want to be able to find the lemonade in this lemons or whatever that thing is. Um, yeah. I want to be able to find the good in this, but sometimes it's okay too to just be angry. Sometimes I wanted to be like super mean and morbid. Like I sometimes I want to say something terrible to somebody, you know, and like that felt good sometimes. I mean, I think you have to like just do what I think my sort of way of getting through it was like each little moment I just tried to find something that made me feel good like in the moment always like that was sort of my thing it was I mean I definitely got when I even now is even more now because I'm more aware of it and it's not as like traumatic when I get you know like I'm not in like 104 fever and nothing else to do and like the nurses don't hear you kind of thing it's more like a, a cough or something that just like flips me out or someone telling their dumb story about their kids and I'm like you have no clue you know or something like that that like sets me back to that off track I I try to like do something that makes me feel good like right away like in that moment I try to like even if it's like online shopping or something like it's like literally like anything that's like gonna snap me out of that back to the present moment right yeah Um, So that's a really good, uh, this is not on our topic of questions, but you brought it up. So I think it's great. 
you know, again, like that, that whole theory of like you're in treatment, you cannot wait to get home. All you think about is getting home and end of treatment, end of treatment, and life's going to be better. Everything is going to be great. And I think it's really common for, I know it's common because I hear from these families of like, okay, so they're home now, you know, they got discharged, but things just don't feel right. You know, like they're having a hard time settling they are having a hard time reacclimating back to work and back to friendships. And, you know, childhood cancer changes everybody. It changes the child, it changes the parents, it changes the marriage, it changes the relationships with the other siblings. It changes your relationships with your coworkers and your friends and your family. And oftentimes that can be for the better, but sometimes it's not. And nobody really talks about that. And they don't talk about that the nurses and doctors don't prep you for that when you go home. So can you tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to go home? And did you have any of these like, oh man, this doesn't feel right. And I'm having trouble with this. Um, and if so, can you tell us a little bit, you know, give us a story or something? Definitely. I mean, I think immediately when I came home, I, and we lived in Brookline. So it was, and we lived in like a very public place. So it was like, if I left my house and took the kids to school, like I probably saw like 20 people on the way. And I remember like, you know, you're in the hospital, you're so isolated. You're like, I was like desperate to connect with people. Then I got home and I wanted to like hide. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want them to look at me. I don't want to see them. Yeah. I didn't want to have them look at me and then I make them feel bad. Like it, that was awful. Like I hated that part. And it's like, it was a shock too, because you, you think you're going to be like, oh, like, I'm so happy to see you, that person who made me dinner or whatever. And you're like, you don't even want to look at them. And that that was an adjustment, I think. And then even after, like, things are getting more normal and like maybe when Mateo is back to school or e even just more recently, it's like be with a bunch of my friends. I hadn't, you know, it was COVID. I hadn't seen them. And they were all talking about like their struggles of life, like, being a mom and not knowing, like not having a career, or, like the husband's not listening to them. And I'm like sitting there like, I just got through cancer twice. Like I am like getting my yoga teacher training and like, I'm so Zen and you people are not asking me what I'm doing. <laughs> like you're like complaining about like the stupidest thing. And like I was, I left like, it took me like days to get over that. I was like, I hated all of them. Like, I didn't know, you know, I couldn't, I felt so, I was like, these are my people and I feel so disconnected to them. Mm -hmm. And how I, I had a hard time, like figuring out how to like, kind of forgive them for it. Mm -hmm. And then remember the part of the, my friendship that I liked about them. And then, re, I mean, I processed this a lot, as you can see. And then also like, I realized like, you know, where I was coming from and like what, you know, like I, did, I didn't need them to like praise me for getting through cancer in the moment. I felt like I did, but like, I don't, I don't need them to like other people can't, they don't know what it feels like. It's, you know, it's a total out of body experience that you don't wish anybody knew what it felt like. Totally. Um, luckily I have a lot of friends who have kids with cancer or I don't know if that's lucky, but, um, Definitely not lucky, but I well, definitely- Well, lucky for you that you have people who understand you. Totally. And, yeah. and that's something that I 
I've sort of started doing a lot lately, organically, just like helping other moms like through it because that was a huge part for me. Yeah, because it, it is lonely. And I remember also, I have a, many stories like that. I can remember being at Starbucks one day, Nicholas was in the hospital. My parents came to watch Nicholas so we could go to get our 15 minute coffee. And Ari was outside on the phone. I was in Starbucks line and it was busy Boston Starbucks. So there's everybody's around and they're all like, you know, bah, 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 this life, this complaint. And I'm just listening to all these people. And it was like, I wanted to have like an airplane moment where it was like, pew, pew, pew. You're like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you know what is happening right now on the oncology floor in that hospital? There are kids who are dying. There are kids who are hanging on for dear life. And do you know how hard this is? Like, and you just want people to know. And I think that's a really normal response. And I am so like um, in awe of you being able to come full circle on that because I didn't for a really long time with friends and family and for people to kind of move on and talk about regular everyday marital problems and work problems like I would like you like really hold on to that like anger and frustration. It took me many, many years to identify that I needed to process my fear and I needed to tell people what happened because I wanted a witness to my pain and suffering. And nobody can do that really like another cancer parent, you know? Um, but ultimately I too forgave a lot of my friends. I mean, I still have people, Nicholas is 16, he was seven months old when we were in the hospital. I still have people come up to me at parties or whatever and say, you know what, I owe you an apology. I'm really sorry that I didn't come to see you when Nicholas was in the hospital. And it's something that really bothers me that I didn't do that. I was afraid to come, I didn't know what to do. And now I've come full circle on it. I can say, well, of course you didn't know what to do. You've never had a kid with cancer. But at the time I'd be like, can't believe so-and-so isn't showing up. Like what? You know? And so it's also that frustration is a, it's really an outlet for our anger that we truly had for what we were going through. And it's also like, if you are spiritual and feel connected to this oneness that we are, whether it's God or whatever you want to call it, there's almost not permission to be angry, right? There's like, I believe in my path and I believe God is watching me, so I can't be angry at the situation. But truly, it's a normal response, so it's actually okay. And people need permission for that, you know? Um, and so I'm, I love having conversations like this because I know there's gonna be at least one mother out there who looks at this and says, oh my God, I feel that oh my God, this is normal. Like, thank God. Um, so thank you for being honest because I think it's really, really important. Thank you. I've been having, actually, I've been having sort of a weird thing happen. And I don't know, it seems relevant to process it on this thing. But I have like, you know, these friends that are, have on Instagram yeah. that kids have cancer. And I watch them post things like of the chemo and it's like, poison you know and then the kids like throwing up on the side and I'm like like my blood starts boiling like and I I have such a hard time like watching that and I want to write to them and say what if you just said that chemo was like the most amazing medicine that is gonna make your baby so healthy and 
and live a life and like not throw up and like kill all the, you know, angry cancer in their body and not scream poison. And it's like, I'm like, I can't write that to her. She's going to be like, screw that lady, you know? And I'm like, I want to write like, my kid had cancer twice. Like I can help you. But. Yeah, I think that that's right on though. Like, think about that for a second. Your deep need and desire to help other people comes from one, your spiritual being sent to earth to help other people, first of all. But second of all, because who came to help you? I'm, I'm my friends and other mothers and... They did their best, but you really did it on your own though. You really yes. did do a lot of this mindfulness and every day showing up for Mateo and doing like nobody could take that away from you. Nobody really could protect you from that. So your, your desire to scream to her and say, just change it, change the narrative, change the narrative on that. It's going to help you is your, your real true need to, to really have somebody have helped you. So now you're just so desperate to help other people. But I do think that you telling that story um, about how you want to, would have you personally change the narrative for yourself? This chemo is the best chemo, and it's it's gonna help. It's gonna help my son. It's gonna cure us. It's gonna be the best thing we've ever had. Somebody is gonna hear that, and they're gonna go, "Oh my god, I need to change the narrative." I mean, when they would come in with their like blue coats ready to put it in, I mean, that was like, uh, I mean, I was sick, you know, watching that. Like she has to wear that, like to put hook it up to my kid I mean it it is feel like it does feel like poison but I'm thankful for it you know I mean totally how is Mateo doing today he's amazing (laughs) I was just like literally like this morning he was him and Leo were walking to school and I like I literally was like I cannot believe he's walking to school like Mm -hmm. in my head I'm like he's he's going to school and like this is normal and like He's, you know, just like not thinking of any of what he's been through. He's just going to school. And like, I I just like for a second was like, I just, it's not that I never thought that he would do that. It's just like, wow, I can't believe we made it here, you know, and he's doing great. I mean, he's, he's an amazing person. I follow him. I think he is like such a teacher of like being in the moment. And I mean, the other day we're on our way to the hospital wasn't even his checkup. It was more like a mom panic blood test. Um, Cause like he, he would have the kids had other kids had COVID. He didn't have COVID, but he was like not feeling right. You know, it went right into that spiral of like, mm-hmm. he's moody, you know, his skin looks good. So that could be a bad thing. Like what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he was freaking out kind of, it, it was so funny because we're in the car and I've, I've been like all week, like, you know, panicking about it. Yeah. And I get in the car and I'm like, we're on our way. Then I'm like, Mateo, like, you know, how are you feeling? And he, he's like, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I like, are you worried that like the cancer's back? And he looks at me and he's like, thanks. I didn't think of that. You know? And I'm like, oh God, I'm like, seriously, I've been freaking out all week. Like you haven't thought of it once. And he's like, well, maybe once, but like, I just, I don't know. I thought I had COVID or something. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, it's like all week I'm thinking he's paranoid that it's, you know, like, and it's like, he, he's so 
like in the moment. I'm not going to freak out until I have to, I guess. I don't yeah. know. It's but. a great reminder for all of us. He is a very special boy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have a good one. You definitely have a good one. So tell us about these sound baths. Like we would both have bowls in the corners of our. Yes, uh, we do. Room. We're so twinning today. I feel yeah, like. I know. Uh, so tell me about your sound. First of all, like, explain for our viewers what a sound bath is. Um, how I would also love to hear how you used yoga to help you process and heal. Um, and then what you're doing in your community. Okay. So a sound bath, I use lots of different instruments and I sort of started it because of Mateo, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do Reiki that I learned from you and my dad. Um, so it sort of was like at the point when Mateo came home from his transplant, his second transplant, I, I really didn't want the same thing to happen the first time where he had a lot of complications and a lot of graft versus host disease and like any mother you like at least me I like go into like crazy mom mode I'm gonna do anything I can and I always like felt connected to the sound healing I went to a sound bath when Mateo was sick the first time and I felt like it was the first time I ever like stopped feeling scared you know it just was like a release of so much for me mm-hmm. that I felt so connected to it um, so when I had the opportunity, like all the kids were at COVID, Mateo was re- recovering from his bone marrow transplant. I'm like, I'm home. I'm not working. I'm, I'm going to learn this. I want to like do something for me in this moment. And so I learned, I studied, I took some classes and, you know, my husband's like, just get all the balls, just get everything. And I'm like, cool. So I started playing them like every night in the house, like for everybody, like heal the whole family. Yeah. They like, um, think I'm crazy, but I love it. Um, <laughs> every night I play the bowls, like for all the kids in the hallway. Then I go from one room to the next room. And yeah. then Mateo and I did it like every day for like a few weeks, like every night I had to put them to bed to the bowls and we would yeah. pray. We do our whatever. And we'd say our mantra and sometimes you chant. I mean, it was really, and we just released like everything we possibly could. We were talking about sound baths and sound bowls. So tell us about your sound baths that you're doing in your community and at that yoga studio that's close by. And maybe you could just play a bowl for us. So I know we're not going to get the best sound quality, but it would be really cool for people to see what it's like. Sure. Um, So I have been doing Sunday night sound baths at my house and I have a pretty cool area in my house that I can do it and I have cozy beds and I tuck you in and it's really fun pretty relaxing so I've been doing that every Sunday night I'm starting to do like a zoom sound bath which it's not as good as being there in person but it's still pretty it's still pretty good so I've been doing that on Sunday nights also and then once a month in Brookline at Coolidge Yoga I've been I I do a sound bath with another girl who does Reiki and we have a really nice group of people. And it's been really magical. Uh, I do that once or twice a month in Brookline. And then sometimes I do, I do private sound baths. My real passion will be to like set up like a free cancer survivor. And like, I want to work in that sort of someday I'm going to be at the hospital in the garden playing my bowls once you can get back in there that would be amazing that is my dream and 
what else? I don't know. Play up something. I'll play my new thing that I just love. I yeah. So play excited. a little bowl for us and show us some of your other cool instruments so people understand what a sound bath is. Thing right now, this is my flow chime, and it's so cool. I love it. That's my favorite. Leo says that's like the gates of heaven are opening up. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. Oh, another thing that I'm really passionate about is getting people to be on the Bomero registry. Yes. That is super important to me too. Yes, so. it is. I still have not been called. It's going to be I hard know. for me to get called because I'm, I'm like 100% Italian. So people don't realize like the, the more right. of a mutt you are, the better of a match you are. Um, but either way, I'm still on it. We're all on it. So, um, all right. Last passing thoughts or leaving uh, words. That's the right word, leaving. Anyway, final words for um, anyone who's watching this. So mom or dad who's just out of the hospital, what can we give them for advice on how to manage their new normal? I would say to really have faith. Have faith that good things can happen because I think that that's a hard thing for when you're in it. It's like you just think that only something is going to happen that's going to be wrong and someone's going to miss something or, you know, there's going to be another fever or whatever and you can't get out of your head to like actually see that actually might get better. Mm -hmm. And I think having gone through it twice, I got really good at it. You know, like I, I feel like as much as I hate it, it was like a second chance to like do it better. Mm -hmm. And I think that I learned like have faith that there's a, that there can be good news coming and that there is life af after it. It's mm -hmm. different, but you will be back to yourself again. I mean, I, like I can remember sitting in that turnaround parking lot, like, um, valet, like literally Mateo's upstairs in the transplant floor thinking like, I am never going to be the same person again. I like literally don't think I can get through another day. Like who I'll just be, a, will be like a terrible person for the rest of my life. Like I will never be myself again. And like, you know, five years later, two years later, whatever, it's like, I do feel like myself again, and I feel better in so many ways. So I think that the person that you'll be, like, it doesn't have to be a broken person. You know, it, it doesn't. I have so many, like, loving, wonderful memories that I, because of having to be faced with cancer, and, like, I, I remember telling my other friends whose kid has cancer, it's like, do everything you possibly can to have fun with your family. Like don't get so depressed and stuck in your head that life is miserable that you don't do something awesome every day that you can with your kids and your family because 
if the worst thing happens, you can't get those days back. So I, you know, we went to Disney World like as many times as we possibly could. And and maybe people will think that was so ridiculous, but like I felt like every good memory erased a bad one. And I just focused on like how many good things can I do so that I can get rid of something that's bad. Yeah. And I tried, I I think that maybe that's my advice that just to really like focus on just like, I mean, even if it was a, the smallest thing, like, you know, snuggling on the couch for a movie, like just be in the movie snuggling because tomorrow you might be back in the hospital and you might not be there or whatever. And, and you don't want to ruin it. I mean, I, I would come home from the hospital on the weekends and my husband would stay in the hospital on the week. I was there all week and then he would come on the weekend and I would come home. So like my three other kids and like, I literally like spent all day Saturday, like trying to be like the best mom. And it was so hard. And then I would cry and scream at them, like probably all day on Sunday. <laughs> and it was awful. You know, and it was awful. And I wished I was like, oh. just, I should have let myself just sit on the couch and watch a movie, you know, yeah. and like not yeah. tried to be anything more than just there. Yeah. Allowing yourself to just be as you are in the moment. But I love that initial, you know, um, little nugget of hope, like to have faith that things can be okay and to have faith that good things can come to you. I love that. I think it was perfect. So thank you. You helped me get a lot of those good things. So I appreciate Yeah, I do. Love it. Thank you everybody for coming back to One Mission's Healing Conversations. I hope that Mandy gave you at least one nugget for healing and of hope. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Healing Conversations, a One Mission podcast. Remember, you're not alone in your healing journey. Many have come before you and many will come after. Everyone has a story. By sharing yours, you heal the world. We're so grateful to our guests for their vulnerability, honesty, and healing vibrations. Cancer can steal a kid's childhood. We help them get it back through programs and activities that foster friendship, fun, and positive distractions from treatment. Whether it's putting on holiday celebrations, providing art and music therapy, or paying for expensive hospital parking, One Mission makes life brighter for children and their families from the moment of diagnosis, through treatment, and beyond. Follow us on Instagram, at One Mission Official, and on Facebook, at One Mission. Join our mailing list at onemission.org to stay up to date on our news and events. If you would like to become a part of this podcast, email us at info at onemission.org. To keep this podcast going, please consider a donation to One Mission that will bring programs and services to kids fighting cancer. Text DONATE to 44321. To learn more about my healing journey with chronic pain, overworking, and collapse into migraines, read my book, The Unspoken, available on Amazon. Thanks to our podcast producer, Michael Harmon. 